Don't you forget about me. Don't, 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 don't. Don't you forget about me. I, I won't. Goodbye. Was that it? Was that the whole episode? You just walked away. Man, what is with our podcast and people who just do that? They just like walk in, talk, leave. It's almost like it's like he's a walk and talkie. Walk, talk, leave. Anyway, uh, hi, my name is Chris. Uh, That's Dan. Hey. Hey, this is it. Back to school month is over with our final movie so we can start going on an adventure. And what better way to end back to school month than with the Rat Pack? Although they hate the term Brat Pack, but that's a, you know, whole different thing. Well, I mean, now it's been 30 plus years, so, you know. Yeah, yeah but they're just like, we don't like being called the Brat Pack. Oh, okay, well. Because we were already, like, 26 when, when we started. And what are you guys all doing nowadays? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is a John Hughes film called The Breakfast Club. Yes. March of 1984 at Shamar High School. Exactly. So we're going to take you back to Saturday, March 24th, 1984, at Shermer High School. Why? Saturday? Because these guys are doing Saturday detention. Which I got threatened with once in middle school. I have never... I don't think my school ever had Saturday detention. I got detention one time in high school, and it was for attendance because I kept missing my first period class because I had a serious stomach issue that had to get scoped. And I couldn't, like, get to school in the morning because I'd wake up feeling sick every morning. It was ridiculous. And they're just like, oh, we sympathize with that. But here's a detention. Yeah. I didn't get any detention or anything in high school, but I got quite a bit in middle school. I got a lunch detention in middle school once. That was just, it was the stupidest thing in the world. It's like, you're going to sit in this classroom and eat your lunch. It's like, okay, how exactly is this a punishment? I don't get it, but whatever. Because yeah, they have to let you eat. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it was actually just, like, a quieter room. And you didn't have to deal with the bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I really didn't understand that one either. But you know what? It is what it is. So let's talk about the Breakfast Club. This is an all-day detention. And yeah, uh, a detention that lasts longer than a school day. Yeah, eight hours, 54 minutes. Like That's like an hour and a half longer than school was when I was in school. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Now, we did an eight-hour school day. Still, though. I get, I get what you're saying. It was still a long friggin' day. Yeah, seven like seven forty to two two thirty. Yep. I mean, for me, it was you know uh, on the bus at six fifteen and back home at three. So it was a thirteen hour day. <laughs> Dude, I don't even remember what time I. I think we were due in a little after seven. Senior year, I think I remember getting up at 6 a.m. I wish. I, think that was nope, I had to be ready for the bus at 6 a.m. It also depended on where you lived. Because I actually lived pretty close to the school, and I was one of the later stops on my route. But if you were, like, on the other side of town, and you are one of the first stops, then, yeah. 
that some kids were actually physically on the bus while I was waking up in the morning. Yep. Well, my school district in high school was one of the, is like the second biggest district in all of New York State. So nice. As far as landmass, so yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. fun. Well, I have a lot of friends who listen to this show, so uh, yeah, Vernon High School sucked, and now bring on the likes. But we're not talking about those schools. We're talking about Shermer in Shermer, Illinois. So five students are forced to serve this detention. First of all, you have Claire Standish, played by Molly Ringwald, and she's like the the rich kid. The she's rich the prep princess. Girl. Yeah, she gets dropped off in her dad's BMW. Um, you have Andy, Andy Clark. He's the uh, champion wrestler, and that he's played by Charlie Sheen's brother, Emilio Estevez. <laughs> Then you have Brian Johnson, and he's played- lead singer of ACDC. <laughs> he's played by Anthony Michael Hall. He's the uh, the smart kid who's failing shop. He's acing all his other classes, but he's failing shop, which would give him a B average. Right. Then you have Allison Reynolds, played by Ali Sheedy, and she's the uh, the weird kid. Just like the slacker loner. Yeah, does her own thing. And then you have John Bender. I'm Bender, baby. <laughs> Bite my shiny metal ass. And he is the criminal, as the principal keeps calling him. And of course, we have Richard Vernon, known affectionately as Dick. Played by Paul Gleason, and he's the principal who's holding them here. You don't mess with the bull, young man, or you'll get the horns. So here's what he wants them to do. They can't speak. They can't move from their seats. They can't sleep. They're going to write a thousand-word essay and describe who they think they are. Who do you think you are? And you can tell that Bender and the principal have definitely crossed paths because of their interaction. Ew. Yeah, that was just disgusting. So, yeah. um, So, yeah, he's kind of ignoring the rules. He's doing what he wants. He messes with the door. He pulls out the screw screw that locks it into place, locks it open. Yeah. Um, They they just kind of, uh, they don't really get along. They kind of argue with each other. They... Because they're all coming from different cliques. And none of them, yeah, none of them cross over with with each other. Yeah, like, you know, it's like those kids in high school, you knew who they were, they knew who you were, but it's not like you guys ever hung out or even sit at the lunch table together. Nope. So we start learning all kinds of stuff about them. Uh, Allison, despite being... Really, really quiet. It's actually a compulsive liar. First, she talks about how she has nymphomania, and then she says, nope, I'm a liar. I just lie. I lie about things. Yeah. Uh, we learn that Andy can't think for himself at all. He just all. does what anybody tells him to do. Yeah, and he's pretty much a bitch to his own father. And that's why he's there. 
Yeah. yeah. They all have a reason for being there. Allison says that she had nothing better to do. And they just laugh their ass off about it. Yeah. But they have like that big emotional moment and everything. Uh, Brian claims that he was going to attempt suicide because he got a bad grade in shop. Because he's got overbearing, overpressuring parents. But it was just a flare gun, which kind of breaks the ice on that tension. Which went off in the locker. <laughs> yes. Destroyed the ceramic elephant. <laughs> oh. uh, Claire is actually a virgin who's under constant pressure from her friends to not be one. Which, of course, she gets kind of harassed the whole time. I especially like when Bender like runs down the hall to antagonize the principal, and then he's hiding in the room, and he's just like looking down her skirt and sticking his head in there. Yeah, yeah. They argue. They have lunch. They all make they make fun of each other's lunch. I like how Andy has way more food than he knows what to he's do with. He's got like with. three huge sandwiches, a bag of donuts, just just a bag a bag full of donuts, an entire bag of chips. Yeah, and then he has and a it, banana and an apple. And an apple, yes. <laughs> Dude's got the whole hookup, and she's eating sushi, and she's doing like the whole thing, right? With the she's dipping in the soy sauce and everything. She like pours the soy sauce in like the trough thing, and she's got yeah. the fa- the fancy box for the sushi. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that Joey Image, Jason Shin, and Pat McDermott all understand this because they're the they're our resident sushi eaters. I would actually try the non-fish version of sushi, but I can't eat the fish version because it could kill me. That's fun. Well, I don't know. I I don't think my allergy is fish-related, but you know what's better than finding out? Not dying. (laughs) Not getting sick. So, and they also smoke a whole bunch of reefer. Oh, that's when they like sneak out because the because the principal left like went went away for a while, so they just like sneak out and they don't know what they're doing, but they're they go into the guy's locker to get his weed. Pretty much, yeah. And meanwhile, the principal is like sneaking a look at their permanent records and just chatting with the the janitor. Janitor is a cool character. Yeah, the janitor is like the cool character. How do you be, how do you become a career janitor? I hear this guy's interested. But then he tells about why it's cool because he is he is the school. He he sees and hears everything. It's crazy. He's like the soul of the school. Yeah. So of course, as we already mentioned, they're they're kind of bonding ever so slowly throughout the day, which is helped and along by smoking the marijuana. Of course, it is, and they start realizing that they all have issues at home. Like Allison's parents just flat out ignore her because they have their own problems. Andrew's dad is criticizing him all the time, pushing him as hard as possible. John Bender's parents—they verbally and physically abuse him. Oh, and his his father beats his mother. Meanwhile, Brian's parents have all that pressure on him to get good grades and keep it that way. And Claire is basically a patsy in her uh, her parents' arguments. You know, one gets mad, so they use her to to throw her in the middle. And that's when they all have that big bonding moment. Because, you know, it's a John Hughes film, so it's a coming-of-age film. 
which means everybody realizes that they all come from different areas in life, you know? So They're you all know, one man, the same. We're, we're, more, we're more the same than we are different. Yeah. And they all kind of like, they're all arguing about whether or not they would say hi to each other in the hallway. and Yeah, after this. And like, no, we won't. We no. won't. But I'd consider you guys my friends, but... Nope. No, we can't be friends. So that's when they, uh, they all start making it a little bit more personal. Like, Claire takes Allison and puts makeup on her. And she and looks like, less attractive. <laughs> and now all of a sudden Andy's like, hey. Oh, hey, yeah, here's the most telling thing, right? The the stoner loser ends up with the preppy girl, and the jock ends up with the slacker girl, and the, and the nerd ends up with an essay. Yep. They all convince him to do it for them. And while Claire gives Bender a hickey because, you know, hey, maybe this will break them from thinking I'm a friggin' virgin. And it'll but, drive your parents nuts if you're with me. But you know what? I, I like I like the message that the film gives, and I'm a big fan of how they end it, you know? They all, like, yeah, they're parting ways after this detention, but, like, even though they might not be friends outside of the detention, they're all kind of, like, they all have an appreciation for each other's, um, their own cliques and all their lives and everything. So it's, you know, it's it's one of those everybody learned a lesson type deal. And they don't have to make it overly sappy. So now here comes the moment of truth, Christopher. Which one more describes you as a high schooler? Uh, honestly, none of them. <laughs> I don't relate to any of them because I wasn't a troubled student. I wasn't a straight-A student. I was not an athlete. I wasn't under any pressure by my friends to do anything. And I wasn't an outcast either. I don't relate to any of them. So you were nothing in high school. Me and my clique of friends always referred to ourselves as being the miscellaneous students. That's how we always felt. We, we were the were. background students. Yeah, we were the filler because we didn't fit into any other social group. We weren't popular enough to be with all the popular kids, but we weren't unpopular enough to be at the other end of the tier either. You know, we, we all had friends on each side who weren't, like, embarrassed to talk to us, but didn't exactly, like, hang out with us either. You know we what were I mean? the black kids at Hogwarts. <laughs> I was Dean Thomas? No, because he actually is somewhat important to the stories. Oh, you mean that Ravenclaw kid? <laughs> what that that's... kid that's like, black could be anywhere. <laughs> it's like the blackest kid you've ever seen. Talking about serious yeah, black. The, black could the, be anywhere. He could be the, in the shadows. That's the Ravenclaw kid. Yeah, <laughs> he's in. He's in like three movies, but he doesn't have a name. Yeah. Oh yeah. Get out of here. Okay. Yeah, you're not on this podcast. Get out of here. I think I I was trying to think, and the thing is, is like I wasn't really a nerd because I didn't really get good grades. Because I was too much of a slacker. So I figure I'm more Ally Sheedy than I am anybody else. 
If I had to relate to anybody in this movie, I yeah, that's it. I would be Ali Sheedy, but with friends. Because we were all slackers. That's what we were. None of us were dumb. We just, we were slackers. We were slacker kids. Okay, now let's talk about this school. With, like, the fanciest, biggest library ever, and then we have that scene in the gymnasium where it's, like, worse than my elementary school gym. I got a kick out of that. That was a crummy little gym. And I'm just like, that library and that gym. Like, are you sure this isn't a regular, this is a regular high school and not a specialty, you know, nerdy school? Our gym was huge. We had three full-size regulation basketball courts in the gym. Which, of course, didn't mean anything when there was actually a basketball game because the bleachers came out and covered two of those courts. Yeah, you could do, like, ours was, like, two courts, but then there was, you know, with the bleachers out in the one court. We had a a two-story library, too, but it was really weird how they arranged it. Like, the second story, or not the second story, it was actually the lower level you could access, but you weren't technically supposed to go in that way. It was like you could exit that way, but that was kind of it. It was kind of weird now that I think about it. But yeah, um, as far as like relating goes, that's pretty much what it comes down to. You know, we were we were very, very average kids. I had friends that were jocks and I had friends that were nerds. I had friends that were total losers. I had friends that were straight-A students. You know, I had friends all over the place. Most and like, of my I friends was... were dum-dums because I was such a slacker <laughs> that, that I got, like, grouped in classes with the dum-dums because I had bad grades, too. And it wasn't because I was a dum-dum. It was because I was a slacker. So all, everyone I was with was were always dum-dums, so. I remember seeing, like, the list of where you were in the class. There was, like, 360 students in our class, and I was, like, number... 175. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was higher than that. It was I was, like, number, like, 16 or something. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm top percentile, but I'm nothing special. <laughs> That's, like, literally the only thing I can say is, like, I was, I was a top percentile student. You were at the and, bottom of the And top. literally, one of the... And literally... Like, two of the kids that were in our own little clique that we had, one of them was literally two spaces above me, and the other one was two spaces below me. And I'm just like, hey, how about that? <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah, that's how we were in high school. Uh, school. Whatever. Well, let's talk about the ending of the movie. When Vernon reads the the letter, and it's pretty much says, you know... It's supposed we, to be a thousand words. It's like yeah. three sentences. <laughs> like we we know who we are. We're not. You know, we don't need this little detention to tell us that we're we're everything that you see here: a brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. And then he signs the movie as the Breakfast Club, and they all get picked up. And you're like, why did they come up with that name? Because that's the name of the movie. Oh yeah, of course. And then as John just kind of walks down the football field and puts his fist up in triumph, that iconic scene that everybody knows. Because he knows he's going to pawn that that diamond earring he just got. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and be set for life. Uh, yeah, this this is a... I mean, you know, The Breakfast Club is one of those movies... I feel like if you saw it now, you'd just, you'd just kind of be like, eh. 
But I think it's a real. I think people should see it when they're in high school. Like I had only seen pieces parts. Like I had, I had never seen it all the way through until yesterday when I watched it. Yeah, like if I saw this, if I saw this now back in high school, it'd be super relatable. Now watching it when I'm 30, I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, it's a good movie, but it's, I don't, I don't relate to any of these people anymore because that's how far removed from high school I am. That's not a bad thing at all. It's nothing against the movie. It's just, it's not as relatable as it could have been. But it's still a good. Movie. Then you can you can relate to the part where. The principal is talking to the custodian yeah, about how no, the I kids don't. didn't change, you changed. You became like a jaded jerk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think some people can relate to that. I was like, oh, shit, this movie's got like everything. It's covering all the bases. <laughs> all right, so this movie had a $1 million budget, but it made $51.5 million. Yeah. I- I'd say it made its money back. <laughs> 51 times. <laughs> Um, there was originally going to be a plan that every 10 years there would be another version of this movie where the actors would get together and uh, keep discussing their lives as they moved on. But there was a big falling out in the late 80s, which also which included Molly Ringwald wanting to move on from the teenage style films. And also there was a big fallout between John Hughes and Judd Nelson, where Hughes vowed he would never work with them again. So and now he's dead. Well, that's just... <laughs> well, I mean... Yeah, but... <laughs> By the way, Judd Nelson looks like he's 30 in the movie. Everybody does, else yeah. could possibly pass. What's really funny is I just watched Jane Silent Bob Strike Back the other day because one of my coworkers was watching it. And I'm just like, man, Judd Nelson looks completely different. Oh, yeah, he's like the... yeah. And that is one fine-looking boy you are raising. <laughs> Let's get back to the yeah. station hole. Cornhole us a drunk. Yeah, who else looks totally different? Anthony and Michael Hall looks so different now. Yeah, I didn't even recognize him. Because like, he's the newscaster in uh, Dark Knight. And I'm like, nope, that's not that guy. That's not the same guy, but it totally is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Judd Nelson almost got fired from this movie because he had such a negative attitude towards Molly Ringwald off camera. But Paul Gleason was just like, hey, he's just a really good actor trying to stay in character. The screenplay was written in two days. Okay. And it was shot entirely in sequence. Ah. When all the characters were sitting on a floor and telling stories about why they were in detention, that was ad-libbed. Sheesh. Uh, Molly Ringwald actually wanted to play Allison, but John Hughes convinced her to be Claire. Good choice. Uh, The dandruff that Allison uses for her pencil drawing was achieved by sprinkling Parmesan cheese. (laughs) How old was everybody in this movie when it was made? Well, Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall were, in fact, 17. But, uh... Ali Shady and Emilio Estevez were 23, and Judd Nelson was 26. Yeah. You could tell. <laughs> that iconic shot with Judd Nelson putting his fist up in the air at the end? Ad-libbed. Uh, of course. And of course, it's like the most iconic part of this movie, with the with the music and everything. It's like the entire credits go over it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. 
Don't you forget about me. There really aren't that many other, like, there's a lot of facts about this movie, but there really isn't anything that's overly interesting. Alright, so, of course, why is everybody in detention? Well, Brian's flare gun went off in his locker. Andy taped the guy's butt cheeks together in the locker room. And when they took the tape off, most of the hair came with it. Of course, Bender pulled the fire alarm. Claire ditched class to go shopping, and Allison didn't do anything. She just didn't have anything better to do on this particular Saturday. That's so weird. Ah. So weird. But so good. That's the Breakfast Club in a nutshell. So here's what's happening all September long right here on Talkin' Talkies. We are going... That's right. We're going on an adventure with Dr. Jones. No type of love, Dr. Jones. Yes. So, of course, next week we're going to start off with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Our September 10th show is going to be the Temple of Doom. September 17th is going to be the Last Crusade. And on the 24th, we're going to do Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I've never actually seen. Saw it in the theater. Um, I have been told repeatedly that it is by far the worst, but... I've also heard from several sources that it is not as bad as everybody says it is. And the fact that it's the number one movie on the Angry Video Game Nerds list of top ten sequels that aren't as bad as everyone says they are, beating out everything from The Lost World to Season of the Witch. And also things like Gremlins 2 and Ghostbusters 2. Considering it's number one, I will go into this movie with not the lowest expectations, but also not the highest. But yeah, so next week is going to be Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is actually not titled Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the well, Lost Ark. It is retroactively titled Indiana yes. Jones and the Raiders the, of the Lost Ark. But the technical, the technical title is Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is what I have it written as. Yes. So there's going to be a lot of Harrison Ford talk <laughs> the next couple of weeks. Uh, and then more later this year. <laughs> yeah, uh, quite a bit later this year, yes. Of course, this will also lead into October, which we're going to do four weeks of Halloween, and then a f- the fifth week in October, ironically, the one closest to Halloween, won't be a Halloween movie. But we are going to find out what that is later on. Halloween-style t- movies coming up. Now, here's the thing, guys, for those of you all listening. We do have the Indie Month put in, and we've got some good choices for that Halloween month. But if you have a Halloween-type movie that you think we should review and we determine that it's worth reviewing, we don't, may Don't give in. us hard horror, though. We're yes. not interested in... Dan, Dan is not interested in the hard horror, so do not suggest that. But I am uh, interested in the hard horrors. What? Yeah, the hard horrors, exactly. But you know what I'm talking about with Halloween-type movies. So if you got a good suggestion, well, you can let us know. We might ignore it, or we might go for it. I don't know. I like our list right now, but if someone comes up with something we didn't think about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Until next week, then, my name is Chris O'Mealy. His name is Dan Peck, and we will see you guys next week for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Bye. Bye, 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 bye.